Hey there, Finnecopter, it's your boy Phil here with a very special announcement. I'm making a movie. For the last couple of years, I've been writing a script called The Regular. It's a feature-length comedy drama set at the Prince Charles Cinema, which you've heard of. Following a day in the life of a group of hapless employees, the film explores all the joy and misery of being a 20, 30-something with no direction. Stuck in a job you hate, but a place you love. Watch this band of disgruntled should talk movies, deal with annoying customers, and above all, deal with each other. Next year, I'll finally be shooting the regular. But first, I'm going to need some help. Check out my Indiegogo page for more information and to donate if you can. There'll be a link in the description of this episode. We've got a bunch of cool perks lined up for backers, including merch, tickets to the premiere, and even getting an actual role in the movie. Don't worry if you can't bear the change, just please share the page and help us reach our goal. Now on with the show. Hi, John. Hmm? You're going to turn into a werewolf. A werewolf? I'm going to turn into a werewolf? What? What? <laughs> when? Since werewolf? How? What? How? <laughs> Who? Where? Dog? <laughs> you got fucked up on the moor. Dog? You're going to turn into a dog. I'm going to turn into a dog? No. I'm already a dog. I'm already there. I don't want to be a dog. Can I be a cat? We talked about this on you Franchise. Be- and it's just like, if my cat bites me, I want to turn into a cat. It'd be great. You know? It would be great, yeah. But you're a cat, specifically. Yeah, my cat. Yeah, you gotta be like a cat of someone who's an awesome owner. I'm not saying I'm an awesome owner, but I give my cat like yeah. a comfy home and food. And she's not... You don't want to be a street cat. Yeah, I don't want to be a street cat. And I don't want to be a neglected cat. <laughs> I don't know what would be worse. If you're just like a cool street cat? Or if you'd like be... Like an aristocat? Yeah, you know, like one of those cool, cool cats. You know, they're singing songs about yeah, cool cat. cool cat. Like Top Cat, yeah. Yeah, or or to be <laughs> a cat, you know, just gets abused by an owner. You know, like a shit owner. You know, like they don't feed them. They I'd rather be a- They just beat them or hang them by their tails or just, you know, yeah. horrible people. Definitely you know? rather be a street cat, you know. Yeah. You could outsmart police officers and you could steal pies off window sill. Yeah. In my, in my, in my reality, it's yeah. a cartoon. Plus, there's so always someone that's going to You wear a top you. hat? There's like, there's so many. Yeah, I've got many. a vest and a top hat. Oh, yeah. I know. I try and feed strange cats all the time. Yeah. That sounds weird. People love it. But, you know, anytime I see a cat on the street, I try and feed them, try and play with them, pet them, but they're smart. They never come near me. <laughs> <laughs> cats are smart. Dogs have come running up to you. They'll do whatever. You can steal a dog easily. But yeah. cats, they're like, I don't know this person. Yeah, fuck I'm you. Like, no. No, yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's relevant. You know, it, it seems like that might not be relevant, but there's a hissing cat in this film. Whoa! <laughs> Welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecast, presented by the Prince Charles Cinema and the Breadcrumbs Collective. I'm your host, Jonathan Foster, and I'm here each and every week with my victim of carnivorous lunar activity. Boy. 
Phil. How's it going, Phil? <laughs> it's all right. Victim like a of moon boy. carnivorous lunar activity. I, I just love that line. <laughs> yeah. What's the, um, what do you call it as well? I think I've asked every time. Lycanthropy? Yeah, lycanthropy. My lycanthrope boy. I feel like I've pronounced it. My lycanthrope boy. <laughs> All right, it's not a full moon tonight. I think I've got a few more days left. Yeah, I think it's a few days, yeah. It's a pretty chill curse, to be honest. Once a month? Yeah. Really? It's pretty chill. Although, you know, when this carnivorous lunar activity takes place in <laughs> werewolf films, they always kind of tend to, like, fuck around... You know, for numerous days, and I'm just like, well, full moon's really only full like one day, you know. So like, we gotta get yeah. these rules down, you know. What uh, about the rules? What? It's not like Teen Wolf rules where every time he freaks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, not like what yeah. we should have been talking about. Today. Yeah, that's what you know, we should Teen Wolf. About. Yeah, because that's like that's like puberty, basically, right? Yeah, every time he popped a boner, he turned into a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> and he can smell out weed, you know. Yeah. Every <laughs> he time he gets find angry. the weed in the garage. Yeah, yeah, I mean, until he can control it. I think werewolves are werewolves are really interesting though, because uh, they're always sort of based around like weird sort of puberty sort of metaphors, or you know what I mean. Like it's all that. Yeah, it's all that sort of like you get hair in different places. Yeah, I, I watched the thing with John Landis <laughs> talking about this film. And he was basically just like, it's like you got an erection all the time. You know, that's what being a werewolf is. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, it was dude, really interesting, man. I was just like, this dude's smoking some weed. Yeah, Good dude, stuff. Dude, 20. <laughs> 20. <laughs> it's 20. But a lot of, lot of porno in this movie. You found yourself in a bit of hot water last week with the witch episode. <laughs> yeah. At least yeah, with listener, did not appreciate. OG listener Claire, she did not appreciate yeah. your uh, sass, my comments. your comments, your it's my derogatory your, comments, your trashing of Hocus Pocus. Well, I want you to know that I didn't, you know, I didn't do it to be funny, but to do it for the show. I genuinely, strongly <laughs> disliked that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Just, I feel like yeah, that's... Just, <laughs> keep digging your hole. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Ladies and gentlemen, last week we saw our Halloween spooky ooky season take us to Salem, Massachusetts to witness the whole town just make fun of a virgin boy in the witch classic, Hocus Pocus. What to me? It wasn't Phil. <laughs> and now it is time for us to howl at the full moon <laughs> on vampires, witches, <laughs> And werewolves! Oh, oh my. My. I can't go that high. <laughs> oh my! Spooky Oogie. Halloween! Vampires, witches, and werewolves. Oh my! <laughs> it's time for your spooky ookie. It's time for your spooky ookie. It's time for your spooky ookie. <laughs> 
time for your spooky. <laughs> Sorry. It's Damn. week three. Werewolf week. We were talking about werewolves. We gave you listeners the options between the 1985 Michael J. Fox lycanthropic basketball romp Teen Wolf, the 1985 Stephen King novella adaptation cycle of the werewolf starring Corey Haim and Gary Busey. It is <laughs> silver bullet. And the underrated 2000 Canadian coming of age feminist horror Ginger Snaps. Yeah. All, all very worthy films for discussion. Yeah, but you all went for the most obvious choice. Very fun. <laughs> But yeah, you chose. I mean, fair enough. It's the greatest werewolf film yeah, of all yeah, time, probably. Yeah, it, so. it is. It's yeah, without question, I think. <laughs> so, what are we talking about this week, Phil? It's an American werecat in London. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys. All right. Hey, what's this starting the wall for? You. Made me miss. Hey, ass us away. Stay on the roads, lads. Keep clear of the moors. What was that all about? <laughs> hey, David, listen, I'm going to make this quick. I was killed by a werewolf, okay? You're going to become a werewolf. I don't get to die. That is, die, die until you die. So you should, you know, really start thinking about killing yourself, man. Nos! Nos! Can I stay yours for a bit? <laughs> if you fancy. Well, it's a marvelous night for Hey, David, uh, any progress at all? Uh, Jack just gonna leave it. It'll change. It'll, that's enough. That's enough. Blue moon. Jesus Christ! Uh, I'm actually turning into a wolf. <laughs> Here. Got you. No! Are you alright? <laughs> David, where have you been? <laughs> I woke up naked in the wolf bit in a zoo. <laughs> I feel brilliant. Well, have you heard about those mutters? You're a downer. I'm away to see Jack, right? Hey, David, I told you so. Now you're going to kill yourself. Too late, mate. Catch you later. What? I love you, David. <laughs> Is that him, Deeds? Definitely Deeds. No! David Kessler, played by David Nonson, and Jack Goodman, played by Griffin Dunn, Two American college students are backpacking through Britain and find themselves in the malls in Yorkshire. Cold, tired, and hungry, the pair stop off at a local pub called the Slaughtered Lamb. <laughs> Bet everything's going to be cool and kosher in there. Jack notices yeah. a five-pointed star on the wall, but when he asks about it, the locals become hostile. I mean, they were already hostile as soon as these two poor yeah. men walked into the bar, so they didn't become hostile. They Tourist. got even more hostile. And they asked the men to leave, but warned them to keep on the road. Stay clear of the mall. Stay out of the mall. 
and beware the moon. The two dumbasses do not heed the advice and they take off the road into the moors at first opportunity and they find themselves lost when they hear a how back at the moon down out down down out <laughs> all of a yeah, sudden yeah. they are attacked by a large wolf jack is ripped to shreds and david survives yeah. but he is badly scarred and wakes up a week later in hospital in london as david hills in the hospital he's plagued by violent nightmares of his mutilated friend who warns david that he is becoming a werewolf and the only way to stop the vicious cycle is to kill himself David becomes close to his nurse, Alex, played by Ginny Aguter. And when discharged, she invites him to stay with her in her flat in London, which has got to be against some kind of codes and regulations, right? <laughs> also, sending the wrong if message. You fancy. <laughs> <laughs> sending the wrong message to young men out there. That's not oh, going to yeah. happen. Sorry. Uh, the, the pheromones in the air. Bro. <laughs> she can't say no to him. She just he's a fucking wolf, no. bro. He's 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 a. I mean, if yeah. anything, she she should be saying no. I mean, it's not like he's a vampire. David continues to get visits from his dead friend Jack, who continues to warn him that he will become a werewolf the next full moon, and he must take his own life. Thinking he's crazy, he ignores all of Jack's warnings. Sure enough, he transforms when the moon is full. And goes on a murderous rampage through London. It's the 1981 40th anniversary werewolf classic. Oh, man. Written. Oh, my. And directed <laughs> by John Landis. Back with that Landis. Hot takes off the gate. Now we're going back to the world. An American we're werewolf from London. What, a third time? Is this the, the third, third time? time we've oh, yeah, it is John the third Landis? time. Yeah. yeah we I did forgot. Twilight Zone. We did Coming to America. Yeah. And now the. Here we go. I mean, say what you will about that. I think you're going to have a lot to say. I think you got something in your lap. Oh, I've just, you know, I just wanted to say, like, you know, I was lucky because it's a John Landis episode that I was able to pull out my handy dandy John Landis book that I bought for $2.99 in America. It's a very thick boy. It's got lots of interviews with all these people and really cool photos and shit. Yeah, so got a smiling face on the back. Yeah, hey, great, man. oh boy, hey. Um, so yeah, <coughs> able to pull this out to do a little bit of research with. It was really nice, and you know, are you going to be quoting from that book? Yeah. So John Landis said that actually, what <laughs> happened was he didn't mean to kill all those people on the Twilight Zone. It just kind of happened. It was an accident. <laughs> this is cool. And this before and this is after, right? Uh, this is before. This was before the before. accident. So Shit. Before he's still cool. <laughs> so still cool. It's okay to like him at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame because he like did still at least like two or three cool films after. Yeah, but you know, it's just hard. It makes no hard. But yeah. I mean, I already gave it away before your lovely intro. <laughs> this, this is, I mean, this movie is a fucking classic. It's arguably, still to this day, the best werewolf movie. At least the most interesting. It's funny and dark and weird and violent. And I don't want to boil it down to one scene, but you're watching for one scene. And that scene makes the movie. It's a transformation. Yeah, so good. No werewolf movie I've seen has 
touched it. Nothing. Like, it's not even close. The, the, the cool one, like the OG Wolfman is cool. And the Benicio del Toro Wolfman had a really good transformation thing, actually, where he's like strapped to the table. Um, and he's doing that, you know. But this is great. And I like it just because I love seeing like CD 80s London. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Where like, and we <laughs> like, we work in Piccadilly Circus or just off it, right? So I walk through it every day. And it's so clean and, you know, sanitized now, just Coca Cola ads. And, you know, back then it was porno theater. And it, it's yeah. kind of grown. It's what Times Square was, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's just really cool to see. And it's cool to see, like, weird, like, dirty American 80s, like, comedy. Like, I could just imagine John Landis and crew, like, running around London, like, catching shots. Like, I know, like, I remember hearing a story once because he came to the cinema for this movie and telling a story how, like, it was easy to shoot because the cops were fans of, Blue Bro- of the Blues Brothers. And, like, they just made friends with all of them. That came up in my research. Okay. Uh, it was yeah. the first film that was allowed to shoot in Piccadilly Circus in 15 years. And John Lannis managed to accomplish that by inviting 300 members of London's Metropolitan Police That's to it. a screening of his newly then released film, The Blues Brothers, because it's like this was a, the year after The Blues Brothers. So it would have been out while they were filming in London or about to film. So yeah, the police were just so impressed by the work that they just granted him and the production two night filming permit uh, from the hours of one to 4 a.m. And they were able to stop traffic three times for like two minute increments to film the crazy automotive uh, like automotive stunts. I, so all the I, crashes and shit. I can't believe they did that yeah. in like two minute increments. So yeah. much happened. It's insane. In that one theme. That's yeah. one of my favorite themes. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's just crazy. Cause like, you know, and it's also just one of those things where it's just like, Landis, you're a fucking maniac. You love like just crashing cars. You, know? <laughs> you love <laughs> like, crashing cars and throwing people out of windows. Yeah. It's like, in this movie, it's so realistic it's like, though. <laughs> it's really yeah. realistic. And, I think this is like maybe the peak of practical effects. Yeah. I mean, Rick fucking Baker. Just Rick Baker. And it's like, I know we have Starwood and stuff, and that's obviously that's hugely impressive. But like, they clearly couldn't do much with the fucking wolf. <laughs> but what they do do, it's really good and really scary. And like, mm. it's just, it's, it's a good lesson in how to get a lot out of a little. And like, you know, you can get away with it because the reaction shot and the damage and chaos caused around this thing is so real and so like violent and bloody that you can get away with only catching like a bit of its face sometimes. Or like when the camera clearly on its shot, you never feel like full bodied. Yeah. <laughs> and but but that's what makes it scary. Like the again, the tube scene, the, the long chase scene with nothing. Right, he's running from you. Don't see it until, and there's one shot of it, and and it's from really far up, and it's so cool. You just see it, and yeah. It cuts away, so good, and that's that's what I really like about it. It's a great, I mean, just a perfect mashup of genres. Like, it's, I don't know if most people call it a comedy horror, but it's you know mostly a comedy, and then it gets really fucking horrific at the end. Yeah, he's done both absolutely perfectly. Yeah, and like defined that at least that story for me the werewolf story Mm. i've yet to see it be done better than this 
Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I have a few favorite werewolf films for sure. I mean, I would have loved mm. to have talked about Silver Bullet or uh, even Teen mm. Wolf for a laugh because Teen those are really fun. Teen Wolf had a good transformation theme. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does, but this, he, this is definitely he just looked like more like a bear. Yeah, 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 yeah. His hair is really strange. I mean, like this one's just insane. Like it's so good. There's not been a better transformation scene using practical effects or, like you said, like the original Wolfman is pretty cool, but it's all like dissolves and stuff, and it's like amazing for the time just to see that. Like it would have probably been like, holy shit! Like you know, but it's just camera tricks. This is just like I I can't wait to get into it. I'm gonna talk about some of the effects that's going to take up a large portion of this episode but mm-hmm. it's unbelievable yeah. man rick baker is that's amazing. Come for. the film's very fun yeah. like you said um you know it's uh it, it's very funny john landis himself doesn't call it a comedy or a comedy horror or a horror comedy he likes he's like it's a horror movie and it's like yeah it's funny at times but you know it's uh it's very mm-hmm. sad you know it starts with the boys <laughs> they're sad. they're in a they're in a truck with a bunch of sheep at the beginning of the film. They're dead from the beginning. <laughs> it's just like shit. That's funny. And what the yeah. fuck are they doing though? Like, what do you like? This, I, I, I appreciate that the film, you know, it, it, like latched onto the idea that the countryside is far scarier than like the city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like ten, like nine times out of ten, like you know, London and New York and places like that get bad rap for like high crime rates. But like the countryside, the more the fucking weird ass like local in the pub, like giving you the eye because you're different. That is far more terrifying. And yeah, that's how definitely. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like why don't they help him? Why don't they just be like, hey guys, you should just probably stay here for the night. Like I know this sounds weird. But we have werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they kind of are they using them because they use them to kill the wolf, and maybe they want him to no. Because then they warn him. It's weird. It's yeah. Weird. And just British people are the worst. <laughs> They're just the worst. You know. I don't really. I, it's funny too because like I don't really imagine that happening. You made me miss. Like I can't imagine that <laughs> happening in 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 a even in a small town in England and stuff. Like I've been around to a couple of different places and like, I'm a fucking, I'm the one that I feel like would stand out. You know, like you want to talk shit about this guy or like whatever, but like nine out of 10 times, like they're going to be pretty chill. So it seems really aggressive, Mm. but John Landis, like, you know, he's, coming from america i don't know maybe you're just thinking about what it's like if you go into the south <laughs> you're in the wrong pub, i think you're right boy yeah yeah i don't know i, I don't know i mean I could, I could be completely off base anyway I, it's it's very fun though i mean this film it's like really funny all the way throughout but then yeah it's got some scary things like i every time i go through Tra- yeah. um uh, tom mccord road station i can't think of anything i think about, about this film i i go up that escalator late at night if you catch it early yeah, yeah, yeah. Just thinking about, yeah. like, oh man, the wolf. No, yeah, I just, I love this film though. It's like definitely some of the best special effects, like practical effects that are just so cool for the time and they're still very cool today. And yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, oh, cool. they could be like a little bit, you know, better if, you know, in certain 
aspects like you know especially like when the wolf's chasing around in the street and shit but like <laughs> i don't know i i like that stuff i think it's fun man it doesn't it's take me out of, of the, the film yeah definitely it's part of the charm yeah. for sure i mean i don't really like cgi yeah like cgi to me like a lot of times it just doesn't it just doesn't look as it's cool not there yeah it's just not there right definitely you can't be scared of it i was reading in this book though um john landis was talking about like you know if he would to do it if he were to do it today he wouldn't show the wolf as much um he he felt like he barely showed the wolf yeah but he felt like there were certain scenes where he showed him a little too much and he was just like oh i wouldn't have done that now like i would have like you know because they're they're like you know he he calls like the tottenham court road scene like on the escalator like perfect like because the way it chase it's so good the way it chases through and then him just like creeping into the shot but you barely see him and it's just like Mm. cool as shit but uh, yeah, yeah, he he. I think it's like later when the wolf is sort of like running through the streets and stuff, and you can see him a little bit, or maybe Can't like enough. yeah, just certain <laughs> yeah, just certain bits where you just see the body a little too much and it just looks kind of silly. Um, he's just like yeah. Mm. I mean, he's like if I were do it to do it today, I would do a mix of practical effects with a bit of CGI. Yeah, that'd be the way to do it. The guy that was interviewing him in this book was just like, oh well, like you know, would you? <laughs> would you actually like you know do cgi like it doesn't you know i don't know something about cgi just doesn't seem to have the same weight and everything and he was just like well i mean did you see jurassic park i mean those dinosaurs certainly <laughs> looked heavy to me <laughs> that's funny Perhaps jurassic park yeah. could do what we want yeah. i mean that was gonna it was gonna happen yeah with uh with boy max plan yeah 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 uh, and that didn't happen for obvious reasons. Yep. But now, Jason Reitman's gonna do the same thing. Gonna remake a father movie. <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean to bring that up again. Just you know, just a couple weeks. The Phil, toys we'll are already t- on the shelf, we'll, man. We'll be talking. The toys about are already that. on. The- Out in Forbidden Planet yesterday, man, and yeah. they're already there. I've. Or you can buy Phil- Finn Wolfsoft. <laughs> in a fucking Ghostbusters outfit, and he's right next to old Bill Murray, and that's already been spoiled. I guess he's like coming back and the Ghostbuster with gray hair. I don't like it. I mean, you knew that was going to happen, right? But still, it's just like that does suck. They've uh, already ruined that via toy form. Yeah, and they were the same size. They were the same size. One is a child. <laughs> one is a grown man. Don't even confuse this. I feel like. He's definitely just like a size of an old man, but he just looks like you know, like a little kid. It's like they're just making movie to anger me. Yeah, like the you know Wonka. You know the first picture of Wonka. Oh God! And he literally, he literally looked like Gondno from Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, he does. I am not. I'm over Timothy Chalamet. I'm done. This is the step. It it looks like shit posting. It look it doesn't look real. Like someone's joking, right? But it's a real movie. I just, I don't care. I don't want to see that film at all. Like, you're not going to get any better. We're going to watch both. We're not going to get any better than, uh, you know, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. They already tried with Johnny Depp and it was shit. And this is how I feel about this movie. <laughs> you've, <laughs> yeah. you've already tried. Just don't ever make another one. Yeah, there's no need to make another American Werewolf in London. They already tried to make a sequel Yeah. in the 90s. In and Paris. it was fucking... Horrible. With our boy. With our boy. With, with Tom Everett Scott. Tom Everett Scott, yeah. Guy Patterson. We should have liked it. Patterson. We should have liked it. It had yeah. Spartacus. Spartacus himself. 
No, <laughs> no, it was so shit. <laughs> oh man, it's got like Julie Julie Delpy in it as well. Oh uh, <laughs> god, I think that's a recipe to hey, for disaster as well. But you know, Jitana. this film's good. <laughs> Phil, you know what else this film brought us in 2007? Our boy Lemmy. We've already referenced it a couple of times, I think, while we've been recording yeah. it. Did a little short for the culture show uh, in BBC mini movies. And it's one of the best fucking little mini supercuts ever. It's so good. Like, I just Lemmy, watched it. Lemmy yeah. is a huge fan of, of American Werewolf in London. Like, I think it's his favorite film. So that's why he did it. I think they were, you know, making these mini movies and stuff. And um, his was that. And it was just, it's perfect. It's like, it sums up the whole film. It's very funny. It's it like, it's so yeah. good. It, like you said before we hit record, it's arguably better than the film. <laughs> yeah. Actually, turn uh, into a wolf. I'm actually turning into a wolf. <laughs> so good. Oh, I love it. Well, before we get going, Phil. Getting kind of hungry. Let's call a snack time. No, it's not over yet. We still pretend to have a little snack time now that we've got to. It's snack time. We'll have a little snack time now that we've got to. Wolf edition. Wolf edition. <laughs> I'm pissed off. I'm angry like a wolf. Yeah. Hungry like a wolf. Angry like a wolf. Hungry like the wolf. Yeah. I should be having a really nice like snack that I ordered and now mm. I can't have it because mm. uh, my fucking, I don't know. I told you off air, but yeah. Do you want to D- shame the company? DPD. Um, I ordered DPD. something from something mm. called Candy Mail, and I checked, <laughs> and they said it was going to be delivered on the 13th. And uh, I check because this morning because it, it never 15th. it never came, and it's mm. the 15th. And I was checking this morning, and it said it got to my local sorting office, and then it was shipped back. They didn't even try to deliver. Nothing mm. about delivery attempt missed. I've been Attempted here. Deli- I've been no. here every day. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. 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 And it was literally bullshit. I was going to eat some time. bullshit. You know, it was going to be cool. You know, I feel like, you know, you're on the moors, you know, and like, you know, you got those Aberdeen cows and all that sort of stuff, you know, just like fucking shitting everywhere. You know, it's like I was going to eat some bullshit for you guys. Now I'm stuck having oh, to eat some um, Oreo snowy enrobed because <laughs> it looks like a moon. what the fuck <laughs> no what i had ordered was uh um, robed enrobed snowy enrobed no i had uh i had ordered uh moon pies have you ever heard of a moon pie oh like a classic american treat like oh man yeah never tried perfect it. so i got oh, that would have been really good too bad i got this last minute because you know kind of looks like a moon sure sure yeah. It's like white chocolate covered Oreo and just stuck the whole thing in my mouth because I don't give a fuck. But I also got <laughs> Blue Moon Belgian wide style Weedo. I hope you can play it in the background. 
blue moon. There's a lot of blue moon in this Beautiful. film. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. We'll get there, but the fucking soundtrack and everything, <laughs> it's like a pun. Every tongue is referencing moon. Yeah. Love it. Um, so. Ooh. Oof. Ooh, needs some orange. Ooh. 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 Are, you, are you rating them as a pair? And you, you try not to, you know, let your lack of moon pie judge. Yeah. How many naked Americans in the zoo? Stealing balloons. <laughs> Stealing balloons. Yeah. I should have said I'm an American werewolf in London. Fuck you guys. Uh, I dude, to be honest, Oreo and Robes that looked pretty good. Are fucking good. Five out of five. I've never tried them. I like Oreo. Never tried those. Five out of five. So I used to get these in America, but they weren't called enrobed, which is a weird name. In America, I can't remember right. what they're called, but they're not called enrobed. Enrobed just sounds gross. I don't know. Something about, yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. But um, Blue Moon, uh, I literally only got it because of the name. Um, there's better Belgian beers out there. Mm. I used to like a lot when I was younger, but, you know, it's okay. Three? three Look good. Three? Three? Like three naked American men. So it's an eight. It's kind of an eight. Not bad. It's an eight. It's an eight out of five. <laughs> would you? Would you get? <laughs> I got. You know, I'm thinking an American wealth in London, and I'm thinking, you know, what's the classic British snack that an American would have? And you know, it comes in a lovely blue tin. Ooh. I have clotted cream digestive biscuit. Ooh. 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 And this is what. From Fortnum and Mason, the fancy stuff. Holy shit. <laughs> what every tourist wants, what every American coming to London would want. And they're circular, so they kind of look like moon. Sorry, they're like wrapped twice. Every step of the way. I feel like I'm the worst American ever because I've never been to Fortnum Mason's. Ooh, oh, you gotta yeah. go. That's like a moon. You gotta go, man. Just, just to walk around you don't have to buy anything I mean you should cause, uh, like that sweet and biscuit and coffee really, really all, the, good. all these Americans do shit like that and I don't get it I'm just like why why do you want to do that why do you want to go have like tea and fucking biscuits at a fucking Ritz Ritz <laughs> fucking place fuck those people fuck those yeah. rich people go to the moors yeah hang out yeah. in the pub yeah for real dude go <laughs> to the fucking moors and hang out in the pub <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick this all in my mouth, like, uh, like you. Okay, go. Oh, oh. <laughs> good stuff. No oh, problem. <sighs> mm. How many balloons stolen by this American man, this American werewolf in London, uh, are you giving that digestive? Does it taste better? Because it's from Fort Fortnum and Masons, or yeah. whatever. It's yeah, called. it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's better. Nice. Everything is better over there. <laughs> <laughs> Even better <laughs> with some coffee. Dip in yeah. some coffee. They're really good. I give them a five. Five. Five's all around. Drink five. Man. Nice. Five's all around. That means you have five, five nights to uh, go on a killing spree if you're a werewolf. Apparently, that sounds about right with certain films. I mean, I was watching The Wolf of Snow Hollow yeah. the other day with Jim Cummings. You know, 
mm-hmm. not spoiling anything. Plug. But, you know, it's like he was, there's no you know, there was, you know, a lot of nights of killings going on. He's the wolf, right? Is that a twist? <laughs> I was, I was thinking that when I was like watching it, I was like, <laughs> oh, it must be him. Like maybe he's the one who's doing it. He doesn't seem to remember it going on. <laughs> it's like, nah. Um, yeah, speaking of Jim Cummings, before we move on, yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Jim Cummings was at the cinema for uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow to do a quick little intro, and then he's also going to be here at the time of recording tomorrow at the cinema, uh, but by the time this episode goes out, it would have been a couple days ago, and it's already happened, but Jim Cummings is here for the beta test, uh, he's going to do a couple of Q&As, I'm going to be hosting them, ooh! That's gonna be cool. Come to the boy. Um, he's gonna live. he's gonna be on our podcast. So we'll have a little bonus treat for you guys sometime down the line. I'm not really sure. I'll post it at some point. I'm not really sure. Maybe go on Patreon first. I'll figure out how I want to do it. But yeah, you know, Patreon mm. support the podcast. Patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Mm. You get bonus episodes. Maybe you get a longer version. Maybe you get a longer version. Uh, so yeah, come on down to patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast support the podcast five dollars more gets you bonus episodes each and every month which we may or may not do one today I don't know I didn't ask Phil before we hit record and <laughs> and also oh uh, no I didn't know okay so no. uh, and then also <laughs> we've got uh, early access to episodes each and every week and that's not just the Pod Charles Cinecast that is our other show franchise which is out now season two we're talking about all the zombie films of george a romero we got the return of living dead season and we got some other zombie side missions so yeah check it out franchise season two out there and those early access episodes are available on patreon as well what a deal what a deal what a deal phil in 1969 john landis at the age of 18. The John Landis. The John Landis at the age of 18. Got his first boner. He got his first boner and he was inspired to do this film. <laughs> <laughs> he got his first chip yeah. and he was like, oh, I'm turning oh. into a wolf. Wait. <laughs> uh no, so in 1969, John Landis, he was only 18 at the time, and he was working in Yugoslavia. Cool. Which was Yugoslavia <laughs> at the time, at uh, as a production assistant on the Clint Eastwood film Kelly's Heroes. So, can you imagine being eighteen and just like being in Yugoslavia and like fucking make it a working working on a movie? fucking war movie with Clint Eastwood? <laughs> fucking weird. I'm living. I've made it. Eighteen. I've made it. I, I think he was actually kind of like. An assistant director as well in certain bits. I don't know. It seemed kind of crazy, that whole journey. He and another crew crew member were driving in the back of a car on location when they came across a group of gypsies. Uh, He witnessed the gypsies, which he thought at the time was kind of crazy because he he described it as being like, you know, um, almost like the Wolfman. You know, like the the gypsies, it just seemed like they were just Mm, coming off a Hollywood set. And he was just like, it was amazing. They just had this amazing get up and everything but they were real just a real band of gypsies and he witnessed them burying a man feet first and his feet were wrapped in garlic and it was a whole like burial procession so that this man wouldn't 
rise from the grave. <laughs> so, like he said that the idea of the man rising from a grave made him laugh, thinking both he would not be able to deal with the undead if he were confronted by it. Him and this man he's with, because this man is uh, apparently just kind of a crazy fucking dude. He was talking about. He was just like, yeah, we wouldn't be able to deal with this. But also, he just thought it was all horseshit. He's like, the whole thing's just horseshit. <laughs> and then he said, he, he realized he would never hey, be Jim, able to. Your horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> he said he, would, he realized he would never be able to uh, confront the undead. And it gave him the idea for a film about a man who had to. So inspired by the classic universal monster movie, The Wolfman from 1941, Landis wanted to bring a modern day Wolfman story to the big screen. And one of the big things that he wanted to do was show the metamorphosis of the man to wolf. And he, one of his big things he wanted to do, even from 1969 when he wrote this script, was the, the transformation scene. It would be in harsh light and there would be no dissolves and few yeah. cutaways. He challenged it. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I want to I show how painful the whole process would be. So that's why we get that insanely painful and horrible transformation. It's so sequence. painful. You, but that's what would happen. His bone break and reshift and elongate, and it's yeah, absolutely horrible. That's, yeah, I take for granted that it's in like dark daylight, mm-hmm. like, and most any other movie would do that at night or in shadow and yeah. save themselves the trouble. I mean, he talks about, so, you know, after this film was made and it was popular and everything, and Michael Jackson, of course, you know, approached him to do Thriller, um, and he was mm, heavily inspired by uh, American Werewolf in London and wanting wanting to do something like that, and particularly asked for, like, you know, Rick Baker as well to come along and for them to make this insane, like, music short movie, and... I mean, you know, whatever, change. fucking Make Michael Jackson, forever. whatever, but like Short that film. fucking video yeah. is amazing. <laughs> like, you know, it's insane. <laughs> it is. And um, yeah, like, so he was like so into the idea of that, but like he he was just like, yeah, man, I we cheated on Thriller, like for sure. We just, it was all dark and, <laughs> you know, any of those transformations <laughs> were like, you know, we didn't do it quite like we did in American Werewolf in London. Like, you know, they, the they used all the cheats they could. But yeah, he didn't want to do any of the cheats. He wanted it to be like there in your face. Like there's literally only the one cut. Like, or, well, I mean, there's numerous cuts as mm. like it's showing different processes. But like I'll get into the special effects later, but it's like crazy. Some of the stuff they were doing. But like for this, it was just he like, you know. at you in the camera. He yeah. looked at the camera. It's almost like he's challenging the audience. You're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. isn't it fucked up? Yeah. Like, look how good this shit looks. And like he just cuts away like once to the moon and then he cuts to the Mickey Mouse doll, which is really strange. Just yeah. that Mickey Mouse doll. Oh, yeah, there's only there. a couple cutaways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so very strange. But yeah, uh, it, it's funny, like in 1969 when he wrote this, like uh, you, you mentioned the thing about like the porn theaters and stuff in London. Uh, so originally those theaters were in the 60s and it was only up until he went back around the 80s and you know early 80s and realized like oh shit like these are all porno theaters now they were originally cartoon cinemas and he was just like yeah you would go to all these like cinemas around london and they would just be like the places where the parents would 
drop their kids off drop while they go and the shop on the high cartoon. street. Yeah. You know, so it was just like, yeah, so they had all been converted into porno cinema. So that's why they did the whole like porno cinema and they filmed the whole fake see you next Tuesday, like uh porno parody <laughs> for the film. Oh yeah. <laughs> see you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. Yeah. All in movie. You put yeah. that all in movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to like watch that movie. <laughs> he should make that. Yeah. Like he's semi-retired now, I guess, yeah. but he should just come back and make it. Yeah, make pull, that one. Film. Pull a reverse Barry Sonnenfeld and just like make a porno after you've already made like proper movies. You know, Barry Sonnenfeld used to be like a cinematographer, and he used to be a cinematographer no on porn. Yeah, and then he. Then that he why he's make so good. The Adams Family. It's like, cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Men in Black. I watched it the other day. That's great. Yeah. Those movies are great. Yeah. And then fucking Nine Lives or whatever. <laughs> Fuck. That's a different Kevin Spacey cat movie, which is definitely like he lost a bet or yeah. he's going through a divorce, right? Like he needs to, you know, like how Noah Baumbach wrote one of the Madagascar movies. Yeah. And it was like, it definitely could he needed to pay someone alimony. <laughs> it reeked of that. Maybe it was Kevin Spacey just like, Dude, I'm about to be me too. So come on. Hook, <laughs> hook me up. I need some money. I need some money. Yeah, I'm never yeah. gonna work again. He's like, oh fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the script for American Werewolf in London was written back in 1969 and it was shelled for over a decade as no one wanted to make the film. As the script blurred the lines of comedy and horror, uh financiers believed that Landis's script was too frightening to be a comedy and too funny to be a horror film. But it was very funny. And it was very scary, so it got Landis a lot of work. Uh, two years later, Landis wrote and directed and starred in his debut film, Schlock, which developed a cult following. Landis developed a box office status in Hollywood through the successful comedy films The Kentucky Fried Movie, oh, yeah. National Lampoon's Animal House, and The Blues Brothers, before finally securing $10 million financing from Polygram Pictures for his werewolf film. Landis said that finally <laughs> there hadn't been a werewolf movie in years. And then when I finally got the opportunity to make it, there was the howling Wolfman, teen <laughs> wolf full moon high. It was like five werewolf movies. So it was a zeitgeist. <laughs> but it's funny. Teen wolf actually was a few years later, but full moon high, the howling and Wolfen were all 1981. <laughs> That's so strange. Like something within the air, right? Yeah crazy i mean like he had the idea from 69 but like you know it's like the biggest competition was obviously the howling you know and it was joe dante as well so it was like sort of a younger but still sort of in the same you know as a contemporary you know he was on the younger side yeah yeah for sure like dante also was using rick baker and rick baker left to come make American War from London, which is great. To make a, the better movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, his assistant at the time was Rob Botton, who was like still pretty young. And, you know, he like made a name for himself on The Thing. And oh, Rob Botton, like, you know, he, he got to finish the film. So it was sort of like sweet. Like you still get a badass yeah, special effects, dude. But, yeah. Yeah. So let's get into the cast. Universal Studios, they were, they were really pressuring. Uh, John Landis to cast Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi as David Kessler and Jack Goodman. But Landis was like, fuck no, 
They're like, they're too busy doing things anyway, but no, I want to go with unknown actors. That's mad distracting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They would have been great, but then you're just like, you're making blue. So you're just going to make blue brothers again, but it's like a horror movie now. And it's just going to be like Cheech and Chung this shit. Yeah. Like at least, at least with people you don't know, like it's, you have a chance to get a little bit dramatic with it when you need to. But like, if you're going straight, yeah, Belushi just, would have smashed it though. Yeah, he would have. Belushi would have but smashed it at Jack. You would have laughed at it because he's just funny. Even yeah. him doing dramatic yeah, shit yeah. is funny. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, unknown better. Yeah, and I only know these people from this movie. I've, I don't think I've seen him in anything. Else. Griffin Dunn is been in. He's been in quite a few things. Uh, you know, he was in um, After Hours. Like with Scorsese, like didn't, a few years later, yeah. uh, big girls don't cool. cry. He's still been in tons of shit for years after anyway. Um, David Naughton as well, but like not as big, but David Naughton, he plays David Kessler. So Naughton had been working on TV and small films and like TV commercials and Landis knew him. I, I can't believe this shit's coming back again, but as the lead singer and the dancer <laughs> in Dr. Pepper's be a pepper ad <laughs> campaign. I swear to God, I thought we left that shit alone back in the Wes Anderson arc, but holy shit. So, the be a pepper. The I'm a pepper I thing. Forgot. I'm a pepper. I forgot about that. Yeah. That is uh, totally what this is. So, yeah, he was possibly, apparently, I don't know how true this is, was fired from Dr. Pepper after he had to appear nude in this film. For drinking a Coke. <laughs> for all the coke ads <laughs> and yeah. Like, yeah, he, oh, shit. I think he was fired because he was nude in this film though and I don't know how true that is but um, he did stop the Dr. Ep- Dr. Pepper ad campaigns from it was like 1978 to 1981 and this film came out in 81 so that's kind of mm. shitty but whatever I mean he, that is he probably thought he was on, on the fucking like movement yeah, I'm gonna be in the big time now Fucking movie star, bro. But yeah, apparently John Landis had a meeting with Nalton and he told him that they were both peppers. And at the end of the meeting, Landis asked Nalton <laughs> to call him in the morning. And Nalton thought, well, this is odd, but okay, I'll call you tomorrow. And the next day he said, do you want to be a werewolf? And that was it. Oh, did he? He went from a pepper to a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. No audition? Yeah. Nothing. No auditions. Just, just a Didn't chat. make him strip or nothing. So David on apart from the makeup, which we'll get to in a bit, was one of the more difficult things about, you know, filming this film was the scene where he has to wake up in the zoo naked. Uh, Dalton said he was oh, yeah. terrified of the wolves because nope. he was literally naked and in, inside this wolf enclosure at the zoo, the London Zoo. Like it was just extremely awkward because it was nothing but women there who were the trainers of, of these wolves. So he was naked and he's sort of like, oh, fuck, like, you know, <laughs> like to, do I have to be naked? There's just these women there staring at him. And then a wolf approached. Could him. I Incredible Hulk this shit? You know, because <laughs> I just do like some purple shorts. Yeah. And then a, uh, a, a wolf apo- approaches him and he just sort of freaks out and he's just like, dogs will at least give you warnings that they're not comfortable with you, mm. but the wolves just look at you with these very distant yellow eyes. I'm in the wolf cage. The only reassurance I had was that the wolves had just been fed, but the handlers still said that they <laughs> they're they not hungry. <laughs> the handlers still said that there will be no loud noises or fast moves. And he's like, okay. I said, hopefully. 
will just be one take. So start rolling those cameras. We were supposed to be done by 9 a.m., but we overran. At one point, I looked up and I said, wow, why do why you got all these extras over there? And they replied, they're not extras. The zoo's open. <laughs> <laughs> He's just naked. Keep going. John Lannett just like, keep going, keep going. Like, Mommy, why is there a naked American man inside of the wolf enclosure? <laughs> <laughs> he uh, stole my balloon. It's such a funny scene. <laughs> <laughs> what if that was just like so a real funny. just for the show, real kid yeah. swiping the like yeah, it looked like a yeah. real kid. <laughs> oh god, ah, uh, so good. Uh, Griffin Dunn plays Jack Goodman, and Griffin he was also never really in any big feature films or anything, so he was quite new to the scene. And he also didn't have to audition for an American Werewolf in London, but it was just like a ten minute talk that he had with John Landis. And he had a quick John Landis like, I read of the guy. script. Cool. Yeah, and he got the role. I don't understand why, but whatever. It's like Landis was like, yeah, it whatever. Worked. It worked though because they're great together. I, I like them both. They're great. They're really funny. He, Griffin Don's hilarious. Like John Landis basically told him just to always be nothing but in a really good mood when you come back from the dead. So you're just like always happy. <laughs> like even though you're saying some really messed up stuff, but he's always just sort of chill. <laughs> yeah that's what i like about it you look awful thank you just the, yeah the, i think like his, his character and his those special effects are like they go quite underrated because it's actually terrifying like every time you see him he's more decrepit and yeah. decaying and like by the end he's almost skeleton yeah and it's just really good though there's like, like weird really flaps coming off practice. his like, neck and shit it's oh, gross and yeah just, like yeah it's so good man. It's just, Rick Baker it's is so amazing. cool. I love those scenes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Griffin Dunn re- recalled that he stopped to use the facilities in the sole trailer that had a restroom. And he was interrupted partway through when the driver hooked up the pick, like hooked up the trailer to a pickup and they towed it away with him still in it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> shit, shit, shit. Jack, gotta be Jack. back on set. Uh, only four American work permits were requested by British government for the production. So you had John Landis, makeup artist Rick Baker, and David Naughton and Griffin Dunn. So the rest of the crew and most of the people and stuff were British. But then you have, I think, you know, Rick Baker had a bit of a crew of people who were kind of from all over America and stuff. But like. I don't know if they really had proper paperwork for him. <laughs> but identification. The, the first three work permits were granted by the British government without question. So they were fine with David Naughton. But the British Office of Actors Equity questioned the necessity of a work permit for Griffin Dunn, claiming that they were, there were already plenty of young American actors living in Great Britain who could portray the role of Jack. And they were also suggesting, like, oh, well, you can get someone, you know, who's Canadian or something. What the fuck is that, though? I yeah. want to cock this dude. Yeah, so <laughs> it was only then that uh, John Lannis threatened to rewrite the script and retitle the movie and move. And I think they even rented out an office in Paris. So that's where An American Werewolf in Paris originally comes from, that the that's equity funny. office reconsidered their application and they granted it griffin dunn his work permit so that's where the sequel comes from i will make this parish so fucking fast <laughs> 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 
Coming out of the Louvre. Fucking try me. Ooh, come out of the Louvre. Try me. I'll fucking do it. Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so we have Ginny uh, Agutar's uh, nurse, Alex Price. Shout out to uh, Child's Play 2. Come on. Let's do it. Child's Play 2. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> no? 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 Just you? She's the foster mother in Child's Play 2. Anybody? No? No? She gets pretty fucking killed by Chucky? No? Anyone? <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. She said in uh, 2015 that she almost turned down the role because she wasn't too keen on horror films, but she was actually pretty happy in the end that it you know, became this big cult classic and, you know, it's just a big time thing. Uh, David Naughton described yeah. her as being a class act. And he said, I've been a student at the London Academy the of Music and Dramatic Arts a few years before. And I had a total crush on her, having seen her playing the stable girl in Equus at the Royal Court Theater, where I'd been an usher. But that's kind of sweet, right? But an interviewer asked Jenny Aguter about that. And um, she said that she started the film version of Equus, but she was not in the theater production. So she figured that David Naughton must have seen another woman, gotten a confused, girl. and just thought he had a crush on her. <laughs> oh, man. I thought of werewolf hormone. Yeah. Confusing. No, I like her a lot. She's really good in this film. I mean, I the whole, like... She- I mean, it's bullshit, the whole, like, male fantasy shit that John Landis was going with. with the nerd comes in. I mean, yeah. he, you could tell he wrote this when he was 18. Because he said not much change. Like, I mentioned... I was going to say... The porno theaters like it, became porno theaters. They were originally supposed to be cartoon theaters. But not much else changed. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a script written by an 18-year-old. And I mean that in a good and a bad way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he laughs at it too. I think he's just like, I think some of the dialogue is pretty stupid, but yeah, like it is. Yeah. No one in the right mind could really imagine this would ever happen. Right. It's just like stupid sex fantasy bullshit that like your nurse is going to like fucking take you. I think I remember watching it being like, this isn't real. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember, I feel like watching it first time be like, this is a fantasy, right? Yeah. This isn't happening. So silly. Unless he's Um, like about to kill all these people. (laughs) If you fancy. If you fancy, can I come home with you? <laughs> we have uh, John Woodvine as Dr. Hirsch, and Don McKillop as Inspector Villers, and Paul Kimber as Sergeant McManus. There's a lot of these guys were just like British dudes who were like around, you know, and they were like performing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them were moonlighting while they were performing. Like in this film, they were also like, you know, over in the West End performing on stage as well. You know, it's classic sort of actors and stuff, but like some funny, I mean, like the Dr. Hirsch character is hilarious for me because it's like this dude just goes out and just is trying to find the werewolf. Like he just instantly jumped headfirst into like, oh, it must be a werewolf. (laughs) I got this. He's like, I got it. I'm going to go check out this. uh, You say it was a slaughtered lamb. Okay. I'm going to ask these people about it. Like, you know. Yeah, it's really funny how just like he just jumps right in, and then you got the <laughs> idiots like the the two like fucking cops. Like one who's just the a fucking asshole who gets his head bitten off, which is pretty funny. Enough. But then that bit I completely forget about the Sergeant McManus character, like just a total goofball that makes no sense. <laughs> 
it's like it serves no purpose but to just be like <laughs> distractingly funny at times. <laughs> I don't really know how to sit with it because <laughs> he like yeah, it just it's like a mighty th- Python sketch just appears out of nowhere. It's like all right, cool, but yeah, it's like, that's what we're doing now. <laughs> Again, it, that film like push it in both directions and end up in it weird. That's why I think it's like a cult classic rather than like a, I don't know if it this is a classic of the horror genre because it's just very weird. Yeah. It is too funny to be a horror and too scary to be a comedy. Like they were right in saying that. Yeah. And there's moments, but then there's moments that are absolutely fucking terrifying. It's weird. I don't know. Landon is good at that. And I don't know why. I don't know what he's doing that's making it okay, but he's really good at just jumping tone. Yeah. Like just yeah, jumping yeah. from fucking super serious to super funny. To super dark. For some reason, it worked. <laughs> like this film, super dark. This film, oh my god! It had the classic dark horror ending, like yeah. as it should. Yeah, yeah. But you're like, it makes you. It sits weird with you because you've, I don't know, you've likened yourself to the characters a bit more because it's funny. They're funny. Yeah. Like David is far more likable, and Jack is far more likable because they're fucking funny and they yeah. seem real. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. They seem like real people that you can get on board with. So it's more like uh, like Landon said. It's sad. It's a sad movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it truly does have a sad ending, but it also has some really fucked up, like, dream scenes. <laughs> like, just all those, like, the dream, dream sequences are crazy in this film. Like, just coming out of nowhere, just like, you know, like this weird werewolf, like, Nazi fucking things, just like stabbing the nurse through the heart. The one, you know, then there's the one with yeah, his oh family God. and stuff. It's just insane. Like, you know, and he like he like I was watching this thing with John Landis talking about it. He's just like, yeah, like you know the the werewolf Nazi thing. That was just all sort of like you know like I you know I was you know I was just thinking you know he's a Jewish kid you know like in New York and you know he was about the same age as me and I'm just thinking of like oh you know when I was a kid you know just thinking about Nazis those were the big scary bad guys. So it's like you know it's like. He's just, you know, 18 years old, and that's just something that freaks him out, you know? <laughs> so that's his explanation. It makes word. sense once you explain it, yeah. but you don't explain it in the movie. Yeah, it's so bizarre. And he, he was, like, getting off on the fact that he, like, did those, like, fake-out cuts in the in in the, in the the that scene where, like, the wolf that's got the knife on David's throat, and he's watching all mm. this crazy shit happen, like, like the fucking guns and, like, fucking fire it's just chaos his whole family's getting murdered (laughs) and then then, like he keeps showing like you just think he's gonna slice his throat but he doesn't he just cuts something else so he was just like oh yeah it was just like you know i wanted them to like basically have their eyes closed thinking that yeah, that was a moment his throat was going to get slit. And then I cut away and then I cut back. And by that point, your hands would have so come have down. And then you just see. <laughs> it's oh. so perverse. It's so fucked up. Oh, <laughs> such a horrible, horrible nightmare. <laughs> God. Oh. We got uh, Rick Mayall. Did you catch him as one of the chess players? He's one of the he's playing chess. Yeah. Yeah. At the slaughter. Yeah, I would man. catch him. I'm like, is that fucking Rick Mayall? Yeah. So apparently Adrian Edmondson and Rick Mayo were both offered parts in the film by John Landis because he saw them perform on stage and he thought they were hilarious. So this is early days for Rick. And uh, he, you know, Rick came to set 
and he got cast and that's why he's in the film. But Adrian Edmondson isn't there because he didn't believe John Landis and he never showed up. (laughs) (laughs) That's American full of shit. Yeah. So good. Uh, Frank Oz appears in the film as well uh, as not one, but two characters technically getting double duty. So, of course, he's the U.S. Embassy guy, Mr. Collins, who shows yeah. up and he's all talking like this, you know, and it's like no doubt that that is uh, Yoda and uh, Miss Piggy. Yeah. And then he appears as Miss Piggy in the dream sequence where all the uh, Nazi werewolves come and kill his family because the Muppet shows on and there's just a clip. So you get to see him yeah, twice. I remember the Muppet show. That's funny. Like, it's always good to have Frank out there. <laughs> Yeah, Frank Oz is great. The John Landis favorite. Yeah. I can't believe his voice just sounds like this. Anyway, it's kind of crazy. Could you imagine being on set and John, you know, uh, Frank Oz is just like, action. Oh, no. What? Actually, what you want to do here is you want to. <laughs> no, that was bad. That was bad. Um, could you maybe do walk it a little walk. bit more like this? Like, you know, come on. You need to enunciate your words. Oh, Mark. Hi, ho. Hi, ho. I can't believe he's not Kermit the Frog. It doesn't make sense that he's not Kermit the Frog. He's, he's not. He's Miss he's Piggy. Miss Piggy. Yeah. yeah. He just sounds like Kermit. <laughs> All right. The biggest star of the film, in my opinion, though, is, of course, Rick Baker. Rick fucking Baker. So Rick Baker did the makeup for John Lannis' first film, Schlock. So they pretty much worked together throughout Landis's career. I mean, he did a lot of the old, like turning Eddie Murphy into an old man and fat people and all that sort of stuff, you know, throughout Eddie Murphy's career as well. So he's, he's Eddie Murphy's go-to guy as well. Uh, you know, he's amazing. Amazing. We've talked about him a bit on this podcast throughout the couple of years that we've been running. Anytime we have to talk about him, it's always fun because he's amazing. Um, so yeah, back in 1971, when they were making schlock, Landis showed Baker his script and he asked him if he thought that he would be able to do the werewolf effects as written. So we're talking the harsh light without many cuts and he just wanted to show this transformation. So the film just never got made, of course. So Baker had uh, like, you know, 10 years to really just think about like, how, how can I do this? How can I do it? When they finally got the film, like, you know, funded and everything, and they were going to make it, Rick Baker and John Landis actually had several disagreements over what the design of the werewolf should be. Rick Baker thought it would be a two-legged werewolf, you know, saying that he thought werewolves as being bipedal. But John Landis said that he wanted a four-legged helm from hell. So that's <laughs> he battled. Landis yeah. obviously won. I think it's better. Yeah, yeah, it's something different. You never do actually see the four-legged werewolf. It usually is bipedal, isn't it? So it's Yeah, you know, and then just a guy in a suit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick Baker was working, like I said, on jo- Joe Dante's The Howling, so he left Make American Werewolf in London. But funny enough, the werewolves in The Howling were depicted as bipedals, so he was obviously had that he in his both. mind. You know, it's very much like Lon Chaney Jr. and the Wolfman and stuff. Uh, and yeah, when Rick Baker first met David Naughton, he said to him, I feel very sorry for you due to the very long <laughs> makeup process that he'd have you to endure. Can... Well, nice to meet you too. <laughs> <laughs> I read that David Naughton basically, uh, turned down horror films after this film came out, not only because of like, um, he, he basically was just like, Oh, I don't want to sit 
in a makeup chair for so long, you know, like again, I don't want to do that again. Mm. And he was also sort of like, and also I've been worked on by the best and it was one of the best like makeup effects ever. There's no way. Mm. Why would I do it again? But he was also <laughs> turning it down because he didn't want to be typecast as like the horror movie guy. I, yeah. He should have, he should just kept doing it. Right. Like if he was getting horror <laughs> film roles, like dude, come on, come on. Just go for it, dude. You're good at it. Fun. You're good. Yeah, you yeah. can bring something different to the table. A lot of horror films don't have like a likable character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Most of the time, you're just like, please kill them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here for the kill. All right. So the transformation scene. So John Landis, like I said, he wanted the transformation to look painful, and given that the transformation had to be realistic. Rick Baker approached it from a scientific point of view. So humans and wolves, they are both vertebrates and both mammals. Most of the components of their skeletons are like kind of similar in some ways. Like, you know, they'll just be things that he can look at to be like, you know, I can just compare the anatomy. And it's like, I didn't have a wolf, mm. a wolf skeleton in my collection, but I had a dog's and that was close enough. So comparing it to a human, you had to find... <laughs> many of the bones are similar and it was just that the proportions are different. So I made a list of the differences and what the major changes were, whether it got shorter or if it got longer. And I figured out uh, how we could get a suit of this in the later stages that made sense. So for the transformation, it was a series of shots of hair and makeup basically being added to David Naughton. And uh, they, then they made what Rick Baker called, and created for this film called Changeo heads and Changeo arms and Changeo legs. And these are props made of molds of David Naughton that had this sort of weird mechanism inside that could physically change shapes. So like, you know, the wolf's hands growing, like the paws growing out of the arm and also like the oh. face coming out. That is literally like this oh my crazy, God, it's just a crazy thing where he used this like urethane, elastomer and they plasticized it to make it this stretchy flesh material so it's just like pushing mm-hmm. this mold <laughs> through it's just making it look like just insane like that's why that arm looks so badass like it's just growing that's fucking it's great. so cool because oh it's just God, this weird hand. stretchy material and it's like how did you do that it's like today cgi it would be easy but like, witchcraft but then it, was but it like, doesn't fuck. look good good yeah it's that so looked, crazy it looked real and even the even the oh, fucking i don't know what the word is, the plasticity plasticity yeah worked yeah yeah like skin it looked like how it would move and it, it's wet and it's hairy and it's weird and it's yeah. folding and it's reacting to yeah. other things moving and it's just oh it's so visceral yeah so that was a thing he didn't want to use like latex and stuff because they just thought it wouldn't look as real and it wouldn't be as like stretchy. Like they wouldn't be able to stretch mm. the latex as much as it would be a little too thick. So they created this thing. Like I said, it was like this urethane elastomer. And it, when they plasticized it, they plasticized it almost too much so that they could really make it work. So eventually it just turned. <sighs> yeah. Into goop. Tear and like eventually, like, you know, it's not, you can't, like they have molds and stuff of these things. And like, you know, like the, the wolf, the puppet like they have that mm, still and you like can still see but these things just 
completely turned to goop. They have melted. Yeah. It, it and just they had to work in long. like hot light. Yeah. To hours and hours on end, I bet. Apparently he was pretty upset because he spent all this time creating these effects and the shoot took like 10 seconds. Like, you know, Landis was like, yeah, we got uh, it. We got it. And he like argued with Landis because it was only like seven seconds of the face, you know, and that was like the big thing that he worked on this and create this insane, oh. crazy face. But then when yeah. he saw the film in the theaters and he took his team that worked on it and everything, the audience stood up and cheered after the transformation. So he was just like, oh, all right. So Landis was right. It's, That's all they needed. It's yeah. a f- fucking masterpiece <laughs> of cinema. Just that scene, dude. Everything yeah. about it from fucking Blue Moon playing to just how how long it stays on something, how short it stays on yeah. anything. And it's so cool. And it, if they wanted to make it look painful, it looked fucking painful. When I think of it, I think of it. Ugh, it's like I recoil. Could you, you feel it? It's yeah. genuinely, it looks so fucking painful. It looks so realistic. I guess as realistic as you can make a man transforming into a dog look, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> most of the time, perfect it- job it doesn't really come off that way. And I think that's what makes it so cool. Like, it's just like, mm. you know, it's just like a transformation. I mean, even like today you still have like Hulk is a train. You brought up the incredible Hulk earlier. I mean, that's a transformation and it seems like it's, it's sort of painful, but it just kind of happens. You know what I mean? Like it's there, this spent so much time, like as well. And you just really <laughs> in it. Like, and you have to like go mm. through it. And then he's also playing the and you have to stay in it. goofy song in the background. And it's just like, whoa. I love that. It's, it's just underpinning it. And yeah. I just love it. And it comes out of nowhere. It's so sudden. Yeah. He just sat ah! right the front and he's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, and he has the it's door so open upsetting. as well. Because he had, like, had gone outside and the door's just open. Yeah. Could you imagine like walking through that corridor and just like peeping into... So nope. the, the, the flat and just being like, mm, nah, 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 nah. You're right, mate. <laughs> you're, right, you're right, mate. Help me, <laughs> fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to call you meatloaf. <laughs> For the actual wolf, though, so when the wolf's running on all fours, Baker thought of how when you were a kid, you used to do wheelbarrow racing. And he was trying to think, like, how can I make this look real and stuff? So he's thinking a wheelbarrow race. So you're walking with your hands and someone's holding your feet. And he came up with the idea for the wolf design so that you put a man in a suit and he's walking with his arms. <coughs> but then he's laying on a board that's got wheels on it. And it's being still steered around by a rolling rig. And then they use rod puppetry for the back legs. So that's how they created the wolf running through the streets. Uh, and they would basically, they couldn't show the back of the wolf because it was literally like a guy's feet coming out the ass. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's the only thing where you start to notice where you're like, I only see the top half of this wolf. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it's kind of cool though. It looks pretty sweet. Like, you know. It's cool. It, the, the face looks so fucking good at Yeah. And it, has, it does something. Um, it's a little thing that noticed that a lot of wolf movies won't do it the teeth are always bloody yeah yeah just always a red grin yeah and that's way scarier than like <laughs> white teeth you know because yeah. it's like he'd just been chewing on people yeah he made every such time you a see him vicious like, looking like, at the face for that wolf you know scary like that's great those few and, close-ups it still looks of the like face. a wolf like, oh. 
Yeah. So of course he ha- he had the the front puppet basically that he was behind and he was controlling it like when it was attacking people. Mo- like you know, notably when it chops off that dude's head, just like. <laughs> but uh. And then the head just goes bouncing. <laughs> And I love that scene. Crash test dummy. Yeah, I love that scene though because it makes me think of like when Ariana and I were doing like the Fast and Furious movies. So there's like there's one of them they're in London. There's one where they're in like you know Tokyo Drift, and they're just driving around in these very busy areas, and no one gets hit. And you never see anyone get hit by cars or anything. And this film's just like fuck it. There's tons of people around. It's chaos. Of course, people are going to get run over by cars Lots and shit. Lots of people die. It's going to be yeah. fucking insane. Like just cars just running yeah. over people's bodies and all sorts of shit. It's madness. I love it. It's so cool. And then you're, and then you're like, yeah. And that's when you're like, oh, there's John Landis, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the guy who loved yeah. the car pileup. Griffin Dunn said that Rick Baker's makeup process. He made the six hours bearable. The makeup's on, and then it constricts, and then he pulls to your skin, and it's just got to be loosened up. So you got people fussing o- over you and you just want to pass out from the fumes. <laughs> the glue is this sort of airplane glue, so it isn't comfortable. They've come up with so many different techniques since then. So it was really early pioneer stuff. Um, he, of course, made Griffin Dunn look mm. more and more hideous each time you see him with some pretty insane makeup effects. Like you said, it's something that kind of doesn't really get talked about as much as the transformation scenes. Mm. But I love it. But it's yeah, so I would cool. Appreciate it. I mean, like we're really scary covering zombies now on say, franchise, yeah. and there's moments where you see him and he looks. I mean, like, dude, could you imagine Rick Baker working on a crazy zombie film? Like, yeah, he would he give Tom right Savini a run for his money for sure. Like, it looks so cool. Definitely. So Those two. So when you get to the end, he's basically a skeleton with like you know very little skin, and uh, mm. Baker took a life cast of Griffin Dunn, and he made this puppet so Griffin Dunn could actually control the mouth while he was doing the lines. So at the end, that's just a puppet because he was basically just like you could only go in so much like on someone's face if there's like pieces of flesh and stuff that's being removed from their face and their neck and all that sort of stuff. You have to like basically add more makeup and then make it look like you're carving out of someone like, and it just, after a while it can just look really fake, especially when it's bones. So he's like, just make a puppet, just make a dummy. And it looks cool as shit. It looks so real. It's like really cool. And of course for his efforts at the 54th Academy Awards, an American Werewolf in London won the first ever Academy Award for Best Makeup. And it's well-deserved. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, first well ever. Deserved. It's like it's like how they made... Didn't they make the animation category for Toy Story or Shrek or some shit like yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. One of those two, yeah. It was Whichever Shrek. one, it made sense. Yeah. Like, we've come so far at this point. It deserves to be recognized. Yeah, it's so, so game-changing. All right. I brought up a cat at the beginning of the episode. We were talking about cats. This is a fun fact for Julia. There's a scene where there's a cat mm-hmm. on the window ledge and it just hisses at David when he's like walked out of the flat. Could cat hate dogs? Yeah. And uh, yeah. Julia was just like, I wonder how they get the cat to do that. So what they did was that they had. Oh, I love stories like this. They held up another cat to the cat's face off camera. <laughs> And that's what made the cat go. <laughs> that's so cute. Cat tape, Doug. 
other cat and you. Yeah, they hate everything. That's why I love cats. They just hate everything. It's <laughs> they great. They don't even love their own. They don't even like their own food. So you know, cool. if it's not the right one. Steve got out the other day, and she was like, "She's an indoor cat. She never goes out, and she mm. occasionally tries to sneak out." And she sneaked out under the door on Julia coming in, <gasps> and then like you just hear, "Wow, wow, wow, wow!" Just so loud, and we were like, "Where's she at?" And then Julia was just like, "Fuck!" She opens the door, and Steve's just like, "Oh!" He just comes running in. It's like scared little cat. <laughs> Don't make me do that again. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Have you been out there? <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, so at the close of the credits, there's a congratulatory message for the wedding of Prince Charles and Lady Diana Spencer that read, Lycanthrope Films Limited wishes to extend its heartfelt congratulations to Lady Diana Spencer and His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, on the occasion of their marriage, July 29th, 1981. Weird. Do you know why that was included? No. Apart from they got married while they were filming? Well, they were making preparations for the wedding while they were filming this film, but it was also because David called Prince Charles a faggot <laughs> in the movie. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh. oh, shit. Yeah, do you remember he's trying to get arrested? And he's like, Prince Charles is a faggot. It's like, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. I, I blocked that out. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. That's funny, but to make up for it, to make up for it, they they put that in the credits. They, oh, that's sweet. So nice of John Landon. Say, <laughs> like, I'm not trying to get killed by the royal family. <laughs> yeah, just wait until you see what they do to that Diana brought. I'm not saying I've been to the future, but in 1997, and I'm not saying it's because of an American werewolf in Paris. Dude, 97, American werewolf in Paris. <laughs> Diana gets killed. And Lady Di. Batman and Robin. Someone was upset. <laughs> Someone was upset. Yeah, and I'm blaming one. it on John Landis. Yeah. He's known for accidents happening, you know, in his films sometimes. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking tying, you know, who's Pepe Sylvia? Yeah. I'm tying all the fucking strings together. Pepe Sylvia. <sighs> Maybe these aren't plot holes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's close up here. We got the music. Again, steal the fucking show. Yeah, so we got the score. Great, great lineup of tracks. It's originally co- it's a good score the original well. score is composed and conducted by Elmer Bernstein, legend. And it's pretty cool. He recorded it at Olympic Studios in London. It's a lot of the stuff like where, you know, the running on the moors and all that sort of stuff is kind of happening. Um, you know, David's nightmares, Dr. Hirsch driving to East Proctor. Uh, so yeah, Alex confronting David and Ali, all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of cool music that Bernstein did. But did you know Bernstein actually recorded music to accompany the transformation scene? Hmm. But John Landis decided not to use it. So there's actually, a, you can find it on YouTube. Someone actually took this music. So the three-minute passage that <laughs> Bernstein actually just like, you know, later released under the title Metamorphosis. It's available out there. You can hear it. And it's supposed to be over the transformation scene. Someone actually cut that music on top of the transformation scene. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Interesting. It's a lot di- cool. It makes it a lot different. I'm going to check that out. Of course, the music throughout the film is more upbeat. It 
it's ironically upbeat if that it's like yeah. very strange. it just under undermined the whole movie i yeah. love it i mean you start with i mean there's many versions yeah of blue moon, many versions of blue but moon. you start with the bobby vinton version yeah and you go from there yeah which is so nice so yeah so i'll, I'll start drinking more blue moon as we're <sighs> as we're talking about blue moon while it's playing in the background mm-hmm. so yeah i mean you got bobby vinton's version We've also got, they're all moon songs. So you got Moon Dance by Van Morrison as David and Alex are in the yeah. Making Love in the Shower, which is hilarious. Uh, we get Credence Clearwater Revival's Bad Mood Rising playing as David nears, the, one, nears the moment of changing to a werewolf. And then we get the soft, bittersweet ballad version by Sam Cooke of Blue Moon playing during the <laughs> agonizing werewolf transforma- transformation scene. And then... We end the film with the Marcel's doo-wop version, which is such a crazy needle drop. It's literally, they shoot him, the film's over. It's absolutely perfect. <laughs> so funny. Uh, John Landis originally wanted three other songs to be on the soundtrack, so you would have Cat Stevens' Moon Shadow. But Cat Stevens wouldn't allow any of his music to be uh, used because he had stopped allowing his secular music to be licensed for films following his conversion to Islam. So when he became Yusuf Islam. That would have been perfect, yeah. though. I'm being followed by a moon shadow. shadow. Yeah, he really wanted to use it, too, because it talks a lot about dismemberment and stuff. It's a really sh- like it's very upbeat <laughs> and kind of nice sounding, but it's very weird lyrics. Uh, yeah. We got Bob Dylan's Blue Moon his version of it he wouldn't allow <laughs> any, his music to be used in uh, an r-rated film because could he convert to islam too <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is his uh christianity time when he became born oh, when he yeah. went to, when he went gospel. oh yeah. god strange yeah and then also he wanted to use elvis presley's version of blue moon which is uh, a really cool version as well <sighs> But it's it was really nice, yeah. unavailable at the time due to ongoing lawsuits involving his estate. So, yeah. I mean, what we got was good. Yeah, yeah. What we got was good. Filming took place between February and March 1981 because director John Landis decided that he wanted to film during the worst fucking possible weather. He just thought it's got to be poor weather. <laughs> Too easy. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, literally like these guys are running on the moors and it's just fucking cold as shit and you could see like them literally moving snot off their nose and stuff and laughing about it like and he just left it in because he was letting them improvise a bit <laughs> so there's just like a scene at the yeah. beginning and it's just like wipes snot off his face and they're both laughing about it <laughs> it's like really odd stuff I yeah. the moors were filmed around the black mountains in wales and the fictional east east proctor is in reality the tiny village of crickadarn which is located in Wales. The pub shown in the film known as the Slaughter Lamb was actually a cottage located in Crickadarn. And the interior scenes were filmed at the Black Swan and Old Lane, Martyrs Green in Surrey. Uh, Other filming locations included Putney General Hospital, Chiswick Maternity Hospital, Redcliffe Square and Earl's Earl's Court. Of course, we have Piccadilly Circus, the area around Tower Bridge, Tottenham Court Road, Underground Station, we got the London Zoo, Putney High Street, Belgravia, and Southwark. An American Werewolf in London was released in 1981 and grossed $30 million at the box office in the United States and $62 million worldwide against a budget wow. of 
$5.8 million, which was well under the $10 million Jeez. that John Landis was given to make the movie. <laughs> so it's like, shit. Uh, Pretty sweet. Yeah, all right. I could do it for less. Yeah. yeah. Critically, the film was well received, with many hailing the special effects and really thinking that John Landis did nail that balance between horror and comedy. Kim Newman of The Empire mm. Magazine gave the film a rating of four stars out of five, writing that the carnivorous lunar activities rarely come any more entertaining than this. But Roger Ebert. Oh, it gotta be a downer. Gave a less favorable and always. review. He gave the film two out of four stars and stated that an American werewolf in London seems curiously unfinished, as if director John Landis spent all of his energy on spectacular set pieces and then didn't want to bother with things such as transitions, character development, or an ending. Who cares? Right? Who cares? It had an ending. Yeah. Fucking who cares, Roger Deeper? It's hugely successful. Yeah. It's inter- it's entertaining. It's influential as a motherfucker. It's like fucking who You're cares? Wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> But it's the 40th anniversary this year, and if you like to celebrate, if you missed it a few weeks back when we had it at the Prince Charles Cinema, from Friday the 12th of November at the Prince Charles Cinema, we've got a whole week's worth of screenings of An American Werewolf in London coming up. PrinceCharlesCinema.com. Get your tickets. But Phil, next week, we're talking about a film that's been rebooted lately as we move to our final week of our Halloween spooky arc. Phil, it's the, we did it. It's the oh my segment next week. The oh my with the, ni- the best bit, the 1992 Gothic supernatural film Candyman. I got sweets from the my Candy sweets Man. next week. Candyman, <laughs> tweet to tweet, Candyman feel. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why I'm saying it like that. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Will you say it five times in the mirror? We'll see. If you like uh, werewolves, let us know. If you think you're a werewolf, um, get some help. I don't know. Get some help. Get some help. Kill, yeah. I don't know. Maybe kill there's, yourself. There's no cure. <laughs> I'm not trying yeah, to tell you to kill yourself. Yeah, this movie gives you one. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, because that sucks. Yeah. If you, you know, this movie really showed that there's no other option. Yeah. The bloodline has to end. It has to be severed. So... If you yeah. think you're a werewolf, maybe go talk to someone first. But if it's proven that you are a werewolf, well, just get a blood test and double check it. Sever the bloodline. Yeah, just do it. And if you know if you're hanging around like a lot of wolves and stuff, you know, just be careful. I don't know. In park. Be careful. Yeah. You know, cover your bits. Yeah. And stay out of the zoo. Stay out of the zoos. Yeah. I mean, zoos should be abolished anyway. I'm, a- I'm anti-zoo. So yeah, exactly. This is an anti-zoo yeah, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're pro wolf yeah pro wolf pro wolf in the wild release, release the wolves back in the moors I don't think there were ever wolves in the moors but there yeah. should be kill those Welsh people <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for that to be taken out of context yeah. one day you're gonna get cancelled right. <laughs> he said this one <laughs> ladies and gentlemen you can follow us at the PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram and you can as always Support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. You can find me at Tall for All on Twitter and Instagram. And Phil, where can people find you? I'm at Far Away Dad on Twitter and in real life. And I'm watching spooky movies at home. Yeah. I've watched so many. Watched so many. I'm on so a fucking. Good. We watched. Me and Dusty watched so many just blasting through our list. Yeah. Um, it's so a wonderful yeah, time to just be alive. Just going to keep doing that, really. <laughs> 
it's good. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it this year more than I have in previous years. Yeah, we've been like forced to watch so much more this year as well with the podcast. I think that's it with the franchise and stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm really in the mood. We've decorated the living room. Nice. Great. We did pumpkins. We did the whole fucking thing. Oh, yeah. ready. Can't believe next week is like the last, the last week. The last. Then we have to wait a whole another year for Spooky Yuki. That's terrible. Although we'll be what talking we about do? zombie films until the end of the year on franchise. So that's why yeah. you can go we sh- listen to franchise. We should you do need Halloween more, in January. You need more Spooky Yuki's. Go to franchise. We've got all of it coming. Yeah. <laughs> going to be a while. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned next week. Candyman. Next week. Come back for some candy. Can. Who can make the sunshine? Who spit out the bees? Who can make you scream? <laughs> Who comes when you say the name five times? The Candyman can. <laughs> John Landis. John Landis. <laughs> this podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged in Copa Connections, A Town Limery, Maine, Franchise, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.